Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. The memory of it still makes me smile. One afternoon, a number of years ago now, I was out making a pastoral call, with guitar in hand, at a local nursing facility, and I was leading a sing-along for the residents there. As it happened, on this particular day, I was accompanied by my daughter Sarah, who was only five or six years old at the time. And I remember this because almost immediately it became clear that I could have sung out of key, I could have played with every string of my guitar tuned to the wrong note, I could have stood on my head and spit nickels, and it wouldn't have mattered at all because Sarah had become the star of the show. The elderly women all wanted Sarah to sit on their laps, and all the old men wanted to hold her hand and make much of her. And Sarah, to her credit, was quite obliging. As I recall, she was actually very comfortable in a setting that can often be a little bit scary for a small child. In fact, in all honesty, I think she kind of enjoyed all the attention. And when we came to the end of our visit, I went around greeting everyone who had gathered in the day room. And Sarah was right there with me, shaking hands and saying hello to the residents just like I was doing. It was then that I noticed out of the corner of my eye that many of those residents were reaching into their pockets and into their purses, pulling out money and quietly giving it to Sarah. And not just a few shiny quarters either. By the time we'd finished circling the room, the kid had ended up with several dollars tucked into her tiny hands. Now, of course, immediately I'm saying, oh, no, 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 you, you shouldn't do this. It's so nice of you, but Sarah can't take your money. But one by one, they'd insist that Sarah keep what they'd given her, mostly by conveniently ignoring me and saying directly to my little girl, now you tell your daddy that he has to take you out for a treat. And Sarah, God bless her, she looked up at me with this gaze of utter wonder and amazement like this was Christmas morning, so how could I say no? So it ended up that we graciously accepted their gifts, and Sarah got to have ice cream on her way home. Still, I couldn't help but feel badly about having accepted such an extravagant gift from these residents who certainly didn't have the money to spare. And the next day, I returned to the nursing facility to speak with the activities director about this, for a chance to make amends by repaying the debt. But the director was quick to refuse my offer, and she told me that giving Sarah their small gifts had almost been most certainly the best part of their day. This is their way of saying thanks, she said. They don't often get the chance to have children visit, much less to be able to spoil them a little bit. They loved your daughter. So if it made them happy to give her a little something, I say, why not? And such was the true extravagance of the gift, that it was prompted by the experience of gratitude. In John's Gospel, we're told that Jesus and his disciples were at the house of Lazarus, whom he had just raised from the dead, and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, for what can best be described as a dinner party. And it's at some point during this gathering that Mary offers up an extravagant gift of her own, taking a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, the cost of which might well have represented Mary's life savings. 
and poured it all out to anoint Jesus' feet, the excess oil being wiped away with her own hair. John tells us in the story that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But you know, I have to imagine that it was filled with the sound of stunned silence as much as anything else. The awkwardness of the moment broken only when Judas angrily and dubiously chastised Mary for wasting such a valuable item that could have benefited the poor. Jesus saw it differently, however, recognizing that gift for what it was, an expression of of deep gratitude. Leave her alone, he said. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Questionable though his motives might have been, you do have to admit that maybe Judas was right about one thing. It's hard not to concede that under ordinary circumstances, Mary's gift was one that might be considered over the top, maybe even wasteful. But there was nothing ordinary about this moment. Lazarus, who is dead, was now alive. Jesus, who had raised Lazarus to life, was there with them. And Mary's heart was so filled up with the joy of it that she was compelled to respond in the most lavish way possible. Under any circumstance, 300 denarii, which was equivalent to nearly a year's worth of labor, that was a lot of money to be sacrificed. But since this was a gift of full devotion, the unrestrained, grateful response of Mary's heart, this sacrifice was of no consequence. When Mary anointed the feet of Jesus, it was indeed a gift of fragrant, extravagant love. But much more important than this is the fact that it was a gift in response to divine love even more extravagantly given and graciously received. It gives me pause to consider our own offerings unto God and the attitude by which they are given. For whether that giving comes under the categories of time or talent or treasure or some combination thereof, the measure of that gift ultimately comes down to the fullness of our hearts where that giving is concerned. Truly, our greatest sacrifice can only begin to point to the far greater sacrifice that's been made for us. As the words of the old hymn that we sing a great deal this time of year beautifully puts it, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Friends, our Lenten journey is continuing, and we are drawing ever nearer to the cross to bear witness to the great and extravagant gift of sacrificial love that was given there. The question is, is how are we going to give thanks? How will we offer up gratitude for this amazing love? I pray that our response might be extravagant in its own right and fragrant as well. And that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.